It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy hour is part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's NewOrleans.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stool, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limousine or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you because that's New Orleans. And this is Happy Hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common other than we're all New Orleanians in a bar. Today we're at Wayfair on Ferret Street, which is a restaurant and a bar where they serve fine dining in a sandwich. Paul Sanchez, are you familiar with that concept? I am thoroughly familiar with the concept, although I'm a little light on the sandwich and a little heavier on the... Uh, on the, the concept side of it. On the con- Well, on the drinking side of it. <laughs> well, the, drink, the drinking side, it's good they have a happy hour here every day from 4 to 7. It's a beautiful thing. You know what? I did Hell and Damnation. I chose today to stop drinking for a month because a friend of mine said he had lost 15 pounds by not drinking for a month. Yeah. And I walk in and not only is the show happy hour, but it has house-made sangria, which is my absolute favorite thing to drink. So were this not only a 16-minute conversation, I would be at the bar right now ordering a cocktail. That is a horrible situation. Today is the day. Yeah, but Couldn't I'd break, you put I'd break it off the bottle tomorrow, right now. <laughs> Could you put it off and start tomorrow? I, I'd be happy to. We'll get your sangria. Graham, should we do it? All right. Okay, now you're talking. Haley Burns is here as well. Hello, Haley. Hello. Nice to see you. I met you yeah. once before when you were on Out to Lunch talking right. about your new thing called Fund 17. Yep. Which is going to revolutionize the urban economy. We're trying. And, and on the other side of the scale is PH Fred. PH Fred. No. <laughs> PH Fred is here too. I'm going to gain 15 pounds and I'm going to keep drinking. Yes, That's what good idea. PH Fred is a very interesting story. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about today, actually, guys. But. P.H. Fred, among other things, um, is the creator of the song from, uh, when was it, the 1990s, called Kill Barney, yes, about Barney the Dinosaur. Yes. He's also uh, the lead singer of a band called The Round Pegs. Yes. And uh, the inventor of something called The Fredicator, which we're going to talk about. And he also just found out today he has an inoperable brain tumor. <laughs> no, I, you're, now you're making stuff up. Oh, what, what did you actually find out? I found out I have some tumor in my head. It's probably operable, but... He actually found out today he's got a tumor in his head. Well, you know, I was telling Fred that this, a similar thing happened to me after the flood where I started having seizures. Did and, you? And they found a, a, a small tumor in my head, but it turned out to be benign, and the seizures were controlled with medication for several years. And um, <clears throat> I'm off the meds, and I haven't had seizures. Uh, Knock on, was a lot and, of wood uh, right here. In, in uh, several years now, so, so I'm, so I'm wishing them the very best. Wow, we're off to a good start. Haley, have you got any brain issues? I sure hope not. Not that, not that I know you don't of. know of. <laughs> Beyond yeah. being really intelligent, no. Right. Is. Now, after hearing this, I might need to go get checked out. Yeah, I know this is a scary start to the show. So, Fred, goes, Fred tell us the background. Well, you went to the hospital today for some reason. Well, I, I've, been, I've been having memory loss. Memory loss. Like, I forget to talk into yes, the microphone. Like talk into the microphone. Exactly. <laughs> so, I've been having memory loss for about a year. How do you know that you've been having memory loss? That's funny. Well, well, actually, I'm I not forgot. trying to be that no, funny, no, no. but no, well, how I, do you know? Well, I have students come to me that I see every day, and I have to ask them who they are and why they're there. I don't ask them why they give me money. I just okay, take it. that's embarrassing. And then I was doing okay, a gig. So wait, wait. Somebody, hey, wait. I will get onto the gig. In a okay, okay. Someone walks into the room. Yes. There's a student of yours. You, yes. You're, you're, they're paying you to be a tutor. Yes. Their parents are paying well, you to I be a tutor. Well, I know what the material. I just don't know who the child is. The kid walks in, and you're like, who are you, and what do you want? Exactly. That is a scary. <laughs> si- and <laughs> and what, do they, what do they say when you say that? No, I do it in a very joking fashion. It's like if a girl walks in, I go, "How's Jesuit today?" And they go, "Oh, I don't go to Jesuit. I go to Mount Carmel." Ah, uh, so you got to figure out a way yeah, to I, get the. In- I tricked them. There's Paul Sanchez's sangria. Yes. Very nice. <laughs> I'm glad that we've been able to postpone your non-drinking for one day. 
That's a terrible thing, though. You made it like a resolution to quit drinking. It only lasted till four o'clock in the afternoon. Well, ah, nice. You know, it's uh, I like to be flexible. If you were rigid, you'd never make it in New Orleans. Yeah, that's true. You got to roll I with concur. it. I concur. Okay, so anyway, someone walks into the room. They say hello. I'm, you know, I'm here for my lesson. You say who? And then you figure out by fig- joking around. Yeah, you figure uh, out their name. They, and then why? Once I get their name, I start. In the book, they have a book. If they have a math book, hopefully they're there for math. Group. So Jesus, it's that bad. Okay, so you've been pretty concerned about your memory abilities. Yes. Okay. And then the straw that broke the camel's back. I was at a gig playing a song that I wrote. I had a hit. My friend had a hit with my song in Europe. It's a song that's made me money. What is it? It's called "I'm No Angel." I'm and, no and, angel. And when I, write I that down and when right I now. get to the chorus, my fingers forget how to play the song. And so that was, and then just like that bell just went off, a bell went <laughs> off in my head. That was planned, wasn't it? And so I went to the doctor and gave them all this stuff going on, and they, and they said, started running tests. And what they what they do first? Blood test, because they wanted to know if I had a vitamin deficiency, a medication problem, forgot to talk into the mic, or syphilis. When the doctor said, "You may have syphilis." And I go, the people I sleep with don't have syphilis. They have other fun diseases. The people I sleep with. How many people are you sleeping with? Uh, the dog and the cat. <laughs> I don't know if animals I'm not can get answering syphilis. that question. I don't know if they can get syphilis or not, strictly speaking. Can they? I have no idea. So anyway, long story well, short, you, they did do you know that? I thought that would be an ACT question. the strangest radio show I've ever been on. <laughs> well, and I've been on some strange that, yeah. ones. <laughs> do and the strangest part is, this isn't even on the radio. I no. once appeared on a radio show playing the group's hit song behind six strippers and a giant naked fat man painted blue named Turd. <laughs> and this is stranger than that. Wow, that's quite a compliment, This Paul. is stranger than what, Turd. What, uh, where was that? It Not was in here. Chicago for a DJ named Mancow. Oh, Mancow, yes. Yeah. So he very was a sort of a man, yes. Howard Stern sound-alike type guy. Yes, very much so. And, and, and we had a hit with a song called Jenny Says, the band I used to be in, Cowboy Mouth. The Cowboy and, Mouth, yeah, right. And so we showed up at 5 a.m. at a strip mall oh, just outside God. of Chicago, and we had to play behind six strippers <laughs> and a giant naked fat guy who was painted blue. And he was screaming at the audience to wow. sing along. It was awesome fun. I tell you something. That's the power of it. That's when you're a star <laughs> on the radio. You can get people to come out at five o'clock in the morning. Strippers and a guy who will paint himself blue. blue. Naked a- and a rock band. That's a lot of power. But this show's stranger. Well, so far, <laughs> it's going to get a little bit stranger right now. First of all, we're going to come back and talk about <laughs> PH Fred's back. brain tumor. Then I'm going to get you to play "I'm No Angel" unless you don't want to play it. Can you remember how to play it? No. No, I'll, I'll, figure, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out by the end of the show. Right. Have a look. I see you bought some chord charts and stuff here. I can see why. Yes. Well, you, how did you remember to show up here today? You called me. <laughs> well, Graham, did I call you? You called me this I afternoon. I don't even remember calling. Exactly. I called you back. Do you remember calling me? No. <laughs> are you serious? Maybe. You're not, really. I mean, you are serious. You don't remember calling me, right? That, I'll, my show phone, I'll show you on my phone. I, it's on my phone, too. Have a look. Have a look. Shit, that's not good at all. So anyway, so they do, they do a brainwave, <laughs> oh, they do a neuropsych, <laughs> they do another test. Yeah. This morning I go for an MRI at 8.15, expecting results in three days. They call me at 9.30 saying, there's something on your head. On it. On it. Yeah, not oh, in it. On it, in it, around the Which mention, one was it? Did they mention the word mengenoma or something like, no, like that? No, Because you've got mengenoma. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> That's a hard word to rhyme to. What would that be? Is, really it, is. is that what you had? Uh, I believe that was what it's called, and it's like it's a small benign tumor is all it means, you know. Okay. And, and, and they tested it, and it turned out that, you know. One of my students had a sinus meningioma a year ago. So well, yeah. that's what might be you've got. That might be what I got. Where is it? It's not in your brain, you said, right? No, it's not in my brain. It's somewhere in between my eye and my sinuses, on my cheek. On your cheek. It's not, it's not on, by the way. It's a behind. A, it's a different preposition. It's Maybe in. It's 
Well, maybe it's, it would be bone cancer. Aren't you uh, meant to be a tutor for... Well, I'm not a biology tutor. <laughs> well, you know, there's been on and in, surely, because if it was on you... We'd be able, <laughs> we'd be able to see it. It's betwixt so the it's, skin so and the bone. So how big is the thing? Yeah. I have no idea. They haven't shown me it's the big eight as a by grapefruit, tens. Do you I think they say? Well, I would feel it if it was as big as a grapefruit. I don't know. That grows in, not out. That's the thing. We can't see a thing. Do you feel anything? No. No pain? I feel, I feel distrust. From you because you don't believe my fucking story. <laughs> no, it sounds awful. They call you half an hour after your MRI. You know you're in trouble. Exactly. So I'm going back. So on we Monday. don't know if it's not cancer at this point. We don't know. We don't know anything. It could be. This could be the last day on earth for you. You might not you even. See what we're putting up with you might not even have a whole day to go. You don't know. You could I'm drop so glad to be a first-time guest, man. Because <laughs> as an old friend, you're getting roughed up. You could, yes. Seriously. Person was better seriously. than this. <laughs> At least they had pie. Last time you were on the show, you talked about being in jail. That's right. And, this, and they have good yeah, pie. Good that was pie. a song you wrote. Exactly. They've got good pie. It's a, it's okay, the listen, you guys. So we'll last move week. On. <laughs> I just want to go back one week. Last week, we, we had a guest on the show who told us that she, she's, uh, that she goes to Tanzania a lot. She spends a lot of time in Tanzania and she, she works in some sort of a. What does she do this? It's some sort of a music thing. Graham's looking. Graham, you're supposed to remember. So I, I'm, I've got a brain tumor. Oh, no, hang on. That's pH Fred. Anyway. She, on the show, she was telling us uh, that she goes to Tanzania. And then I said on the show, we have a listener in Tanzania, at least someone who tweeted us and say they're in Dar es Salaam, which I probably don't believe because it sounds like a whole made-up thing. And the person who, who said that, who sent us this tweet, then wrote us an email during the week and say, hey, I really am in Tanzania. I really am in Dar es Salaam. And my, really, my name really is Sophie Lafayette. And here she is right now on Google Hangout. Hi, Sophie. Hi, guys. Nice. How are you doing? This, I wanted to introduce you to Paul Sanchez. Hello, Sophie. Haley Burns. Hiya. And PH Fred. Hola. This is the last day of PH Fred's life, so be nice to him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the I'm story. So, Sophie, so you live in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, right? Yes, yes. And you've never been to New Orleans? No, I haven't. But you, but you listen to Happy Hour religiously. Well, it's since I discovered it, yes. Well, you would have had to discover it before you listened to it, much like religion. It's like, do you ever hear voices? Generally, no. Okay, that's good. Let's establish that. So, <laughs> so, so what is your relationship to, to here, to the city of New Orleans? Some tenuous links. Um, just like over time, kind of coming across food and music and TV shows and just more and more kind of being like finding one thing and then discovering something else. Um, and then the more I find out, the more I discover, the more interesting it is. So it's, it's a little bit strange. I can completely understand considering I haven't been there before, but yes, yeah, it's, it's an interesting place. It is an interesting place. So. How long ago did you start discovering New Orleans? When did it all begin? Uh, well, weirdly, when I was growing up, my mom had um, this Christmas CD of Cajun music, which is completely random. And then some of those songs obviously are about New Orleans. And then some, she had a recipe book. And then, yeah, just mostly through the music, to be honest. Okay. And then it kind of spiraled. Is the fact that your real name is Lafayette connected to this at all? Uh, possibly. The, the family story is that on my grandmother's side, there's some relatives that are somewhere in Louisiana. So 
Yeah, there but maybe some relatives. But how did you get the how did you, you get the name Lafayette? Where's your father from? Well, the, my name Lafayette was originally my middle name. Um, uh, from my grandmother's side, it was like a surname, which was then given to me. Okay. So, so it's not your real yeah. family name. No. Well, it's from your family, but, it but it's not your name on your passport. Yeah. And well, she's no, not going to no, tell no, us that. It is now my name on my passport. It is or it isn't? Because I changed my name like five years ago. Oh, you changed your name? I hate when that happens. Yeah. Oh, so that's, this is your real name now, Sophie Lafayette. My, yep, yep. Oh, and it's very rom very romantic sounding name, almost like a stripper. <laughs> Isn't it? Like Dallas, a London. Yeah. Yeah. Your 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 soul and uh, is tied to New Orleans in some way. This life or another life, you you, you pass through. Well, hopefully, so. hopefully, so hopefully he, Paul like, says it nice. You say stripper. I, <laughs> well, he's an artist. I'm just a, you know, guy on a podcast. Okay, whatever works. Whatever works. So, what do you do in Dar es Salaam? Strips. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit of a niche market here, but uh, no, this, I, I worked in. And then now I work with tech startups. So ah, with tech startups. So, so, there's, so there's tech startups yeah. all over the fucking world, basically. Yeah. You can't escape. You can't even go to Tanzania and not have a tech startup. What do you yeah, do? There's what? more and more popping up. That's unbelievable, isn't it? You think that countries would be different. That's why you travel. But then they're just all the same. It's just tech startups everywhere now. That's who? Do you have McDonald's and Burger King? Uh, we don't, but we do have a KFC. So oh. that's pretty much. How come there's but no, no McDonald's yet. Why is there no McDonald's in Dar es Salaam, I wonder? Uh, well, I mean, chicken is a bit more popular here. The burgers, it's like consistency is hard to control. So chain restaurants don't do so well. Hmm. What kind of accent do you have? Doesn't sound all that sort of, sounds sort of neutral. Yeah, well, I grew up in New Zealand, so it's a little bit... <laughs> 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 That's what it is. What part of New Zealand did you grow up in? Auckland, in Auckland. Auckland. Okay, all right. And yeah. then did your parents moved to Tanzania at some point? No. So my my dad, well, my dad was born in New Zealand. My mom was born in Germany, um, and they moved to the UK. And then I moved to Tanzania eventually. So you moved by yourself to Tanzania. Yes. What possessed you to do something like that? Uh, I'd been here. I'd been here on holiday. I'd been here to do some research. Um, I had some connections and then it, a good opportunity came up so I kind of thought you know I'd been in Europe for a while I wanted a bit of a change okay. so I'd come back and see how it would be how's it working out how long have you been there uh, about three and a half years three and a half years okay so the whole thing what we were going to do was we decided and I think it was as a this was on Twitter. I don't know whose idea this was. We were going to appoint you as New Orleans. It was Graham, I think, Graham DePonte's idea, our producer. We're going to appoint you as the New Orleans ambassador to Dar es Salaam. Or East Africa, I think, was the whole. I think you get the whole of East Africa. What exactly, what exactly is East Africa? I think I asked that question last week as well. What exactly is East Africa? It's uh, Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, Rwanda, and Burundi as well, usually. That's quite a big territory for you to cover. Can you get around all that area? Yeah, I think I can cover it. Do you have a car? <laughs> no. You don't, you don't have a car? You kind of really need to do plane or bus travel for that. Okay, we have a passport with a new name on it. <laughs> so you actually changed your name from whatever it was before Lafayette, is that true? Yes, 
And you have you ever been to New Orleans? No, not not yet. You just, love, you just love the music, or you love the show. <laughs> so we were thinking we should try and get you here somehow. That was uh, that was one idea that somebody came up with during this week. That was Graham's idea, I think. Yeah, that's a, that sounds like an excellent idea. How much <laughs> would it cost to fly from Tanzania? Because Paul Sanchez has a checkbook out. <laughs> How much would it cost to fly from Dar es Salaam to New Orleans, do you think? Do you happen to know uh, that? It's, I, I don't know. I think so this, so like know. New York from Dar is like, I don't know, $600 or something. But Seriously? I'm sure. What? We can write a check. That's that. it? That's it. I'll but put, I'm sure to I'll put to up like 20 bucks right now. That's like a direct flight, though. From New York to I'm New Orleans sure is what, three? Yeah, yeah, we can get here for a couple hundred bucks from New York. You call it you call it Dar for short? Yeah, Dar. Dar, okay. Dar, dar. I mean, Dar, yeah. So Dar to New York <laughs> is 600 bucks. That's damn cheap, isn't it? We can totally do this. I mean, we could raise this on this podcast. <laughs> we could walk around the bar here. There's almost, actually, there's almost nobody in here. I hope they don't shut this joint down at some point. There's like nobody here at all. We you are. notice that we're the only people here. It's a little scary, isn't it? I'm sure by the time there would be more. Someone, yeah, if you came here, there would be a lot more. That's everybody right. would be. Yeah. You could come well, here with would the be you. rest of the tech startup strippers. It would be awesome. <laughs> well, Sophie, thanks for joining us. We'll, we'll, we'll figure this out somehow. Oh, so n- Now that you're the ambassador to East Africa for New Orleans, what should we have you do, do you think, first? Yeah, I need some kind of responsibilities, I think. Yeah, well, what do you think, guys? <laughs> Fred, before you, you've got, you got one day left on earth, what, what would you have her do? I would defer to Paul. I'd defer to Paul for that. I would have her post a video of her favorite New Orleans song of the week to okay. her Facebook or YouTube page, whatever she has. Okay, I'll have to write that down now, Paul. Good idea. Song of the week. Can you do that? I can definitely do that. Okay, song, New Orleans song of the week. Haley, you must have some good ideas. What she can do yeah, what for New Orleans do? from Tanzania. Yeah. Look at your fabulous eye makeup as well. <laughs> wow. Well, Haley looks fabulous. Look this could, if this was television, there would be no yeah, choice really. who would be the winner of this debate. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. What color is that? Bronze or something? Uh, something like that. Man, that is yeah. nice. And then, the, and then the sort of front part is black. Mm-hmm. God, that's eyeliner. Really? <laughs> that's like really cool. Do you do that yourself? I do. I don't have professional makeup. You don't have a makeup people. person no, yet. I wish. One, up aspirations for one day. So yet. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yet. Yeah. We yeah. use the word yet. Where? Oh, where are you from? Somewhere in Alabama. Uh-huh, I'm from Alabama. In Alabama. Mm-hmm. Does anyone else look like you in that little town you come from? I don't come from a little town. Where are you I come from? from a pretty big town, Which? Huntsville, Alabama. Huntsville is that big? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty big. We have all the rocket scientists there. <laughs> it is rocket science. Yeah, yeah. But is uh, your family in the rocket science business? No, my mom's a speech therapist in the school systems. Okay. <laughs> in what state? In Alabama. That's they, there's she a lot of yeah. That she's, got, right? she's got lots of work no, to I'm do. Just, I'm just pointing out <laughs> Alabama, Mississippi. Speech so next therapy. Joke, ladies and gems. That would be a good gig to be. Try, try the veal. Yeah. yeah, she's got work to do. Yeah, for okay. sure. So what can she do for us in Tanzania as our? Um, hmm, I don't know. I'm kind of stumped on that one. So he covered the music. Yeah. There's, there's still food. Well, you're in the whole microloan business, right? Yeah. Well, and there's lots more of that going on in Tanzania than there is in New Orleans, for sure. Right. Do you know anything about microloans, Sophie? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. It's pretty, pretty big here. Yeah. 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 Um, well, Haley has the idea to start up a micro. Well, she has already started up. It's called Fund 17. It's a microloan 
It's based on the microloan system, I guess, that's in mm -hmm. Africa. Yeah, it started in uh, Bangladesh originally. And um, what is it? What does that mean, microloan? I mean, it's just what it sounds like: uh, giving really small loans. To like, those. if I want a dollar to get on the bus, or uh, <laughs> how it's, small is micro? Well, it's it's usually geared to expanding businesses. I have a business. So I own a record label. If you're, if I'm expanding. Getting on the bus helps with your business. Then I'm okay. sure we can, you know. No, but when you say that. small loan, is like five thousand, fifty thousand, five million. It really depends on you're talking with mm -hmm. to us we lend up to fifteen hundred dollars okay. in tanzania in u.s dollars it could probably be something like a hundred dollars gotcha yeah i was wondering how micro the loan was yeah it definitely depends so you need a macro loan so 600 bucks in tanzania is a lot of money yeah well i, I don't know what, what's the what's the conversion rate to U.S. Oh, dollars, do you know? It's ridiculous now. Dollars go pretty far. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. So would it take? Well, I think it's more than the conversion rate. I think it would be like, what does somebody make in Tanzania as well? You right. know. What, what does somebody make in Tanzania? Question for yeah, Sophie. The average. It, it varies a lot. Like, uh, well, I here. mean, it's also kind of in, in rural areas. It's pretty pretty low income. But then if you're in Dar, you know, there's people earning like millions of dollars and then some people earning like a couple hundred dollars a well month. we we don't have anything like that a couple here. hundred dollars a month everybody earns the same here in new yeah. Orleans. yeah it's a socialist <laughs> system well sophie what do you do for tech startups in tanzania uh i've been doing some media press social media product development um quality control like a little bit of everything so you're the perfect uh ambassador yeah you have the training thinking. to reach out to the media through social media and you can be the greatest New Orleans ambassador that Tanzania has ever known. Yes. <laughs> well put. And Sophie, you've got the ability too to get out there with the Kickstarter campaign and get the 600 bucks. <laughs> I'll definitely try that. Okay. We need to get some New Orleans out to her. If oh, she's going to be she ambassador. she could do a music exchange to Tanzania. we got musicians who could travel. Good Lots idea. Okay. That's good. We've got plenty of musicians we could send there too. So. Nice. I like okay. that. Idea. And then the music exchange thing might work. I have to manage them. So. I think that's what All she right. should do. Music exchange. Should a music exchange, yeah. like a festival type mm -hmm. thing. We could do like a. That's a pretty good idea. Sophie, could you handle that? For sure. She's getting a lot of music. <laughs> you know, what about economy? Well, you're already in the tech startup business. We have a whole tech startup sector here as well, which actually Haley's involved with. I'm not so much in the tech startup, but everything entrepreneurial kind of does intersect at, at different points for sure. Right. Yeah. There, there was a tech uh, uh, convention during the Super Bowl a few years ago, and these young people from Silicon Valley came to New Orleans, and like many young people around the world have done for generations, they fell in love with the romance and the poetry of the city, and then they realized that the rents here were a quarter of what they were in Silicon <laughs> Valley, and a lot of them stayed. So there is a lot of startups, a lot of people, uh, uh, techies now mm -hmm. living yeah. in town. Mm -hmm. It's very cool. So we could probably get you a job, Sophie, if you came over here. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. And we have KFC. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I know you like that in Tanzania. It's probably better fried yeah, chicken here than I KFC. I have a feeling you've got better than KFC over there. Yes, we do. Yeah. We have all kinds of fried chicken here, yeah. And we have McDonald's as well. Have you ever been to a McDonald's? I guess in New Zealand they have McDonald's, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and I lived in the UK. They have plenty of McDonald's right. there too. Right. So. Okay, so that's not such a sort of a yeah, a draw. 
There's so much more than McDonald's no. in the UK. What, I love what, the UK. I, you do? I do. I love the UK. I know people say the food in, in, in England, there's a lot of jokes about that in America, but I loved it. I loved everything about going there. Do you, do you go over there regularly? I now? wear a key to the Cabin Club around my neck. The, the Cabin the, Club the, the where pick. the Beatles played. Yeah. Really, that's what it is. Yeah. You have that around your neck all the time. All the it's time. It's like a souvenir from the Cabin Club. Yeah, I was, wow. When I went there, I was as happy as a 10-year-old, and even mentioning it now, I'll break out into the same smile. Wow. Absolutely. Just the whole of the UK or just... I love the... Yeah. yeah I've, I've been in love with the idea of living in England since I was a little boy. Wow. Growing up in New Orleans, it's a port town, you know, and the records that the Beatles and those guys fell in love with came out of the city the same way that their music came here through Merchant Marines, through the ships pulling right. into port. And the draw of the port is, is strong, I think. It was for them because they fell in love with New Orleans music and they fell in love with New York City. And it was that way for me. I fell in love with the idea of sailing to England, the idea of playing in the clubs that I'd read about, that the records that I grew up with were on the jukeboxes in those dive bars. And did you get a chance to play there too? You know, it's funny, I went, uh, I've been a few times now, but I went last January and I walked into a bar in Soho, Alley Cats, because some friends said that there's a New Orleans night you gotta go check out. And I walked in, there was this great band, Don Pipkin, and this guy's playing, and <laughs> they right. took a break, and I walked up and I said, hey man, my name's Paul Sanchez, I'm from New Orleans, and he went, Paul Sanchez, we play one of your songs, would you sing it with us, mate? Uh -huh. I wow. would absolutely sing with you in London. Oh my God! How so then we did a song of mine called "Foot of Canal Street," and it was just fabulous. That's incredible. Now, who is this Dom Pipkin? He's a guy who's a huge New Orleans fan. He does a real. He he took some lessons with John Cleary okay. at some point, and he really just loves that style of music, and he's very good at it. His band is swinging. And uh, after I played with him in London, he mentioned that he was going to be in town for Jazz Fest that year. So he wound up getting on stage with me at Jazz Fest and oh playing God, "Foot of Canal great. Street." Well, he's my friend on Facebook, and I don't know who he is. He's, he's, Do you he's know him? PH? Never, never heard of him. Well, that doesn't mean anything either. He's a sweet man. <laughs> I might have he, forgot him, man. He works the London, uh, the, Eng the British circuit. He doesn't just play London, and, he's, and right. his band's really kicking, man. They're really Pipkin. swinging. They, they love New Orleans in a real authentic way. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good story. So, I'm going to let you go, because I know it's like, what is it, one in the morning there or something? Yeah, something like that. What time do you go to bed normally? Uh, It depends. Pretty late nights here in Dar, so. Does a late night hang? Yeah. Okay, maybe we should go over there. Maybe we should go yeah. there instead of bringing her here. It is sounding much more exotic, isn't it? Because we don't stay up later here. Most people are in bed by 7 here. A.M. <laughs> Hey, um, well, <laughs> Sophie, I'll let you go to sleep. I know you don't want to stay talking to us. Well, you can say if you want to, but I know you probably do want to leave. So thank you so much for joining us. And we'll have to stay in touch with you now. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me. Okay, you're welcome. We'll be in touch. PH Free is pointing Dom at Pippin? something. Dom Pipkin. Dom Pipkin. There That's he is. Yes. There he is. Oh, well, you're as quick as ever, I see, Fred. All right. Okay, Sophie, good night. Thank you so much. Okay. Good night, good Sophie, night, wherever you are. Bye. And that was uh, Sophie Lafayette, the New Orleans ambassador to Tanzania and East Africa. <laughs> what a great story, isn't it? Fabulous. Okay, we have to play some music at this point, guys. So who wants to go first? Paul? Sure. Fred's pointing at this very gentlemanly of you, Fred. Given that you, we, who knows how long you can sit here for. <laughs> what would that? you like to play? Uh, well, I'll play you the title cut off from my latest CD. Okay, I've got the latest that. CD is in my... What's well, now Fred took it off me. What's it called? Everything That Ends Begins Again. The World Is Round. Life is all around you If you open up your eyes And get outside your head The place that you've been paralyzed To see that fear cannot appear If you let love come pouring in Then nothing seems impossible If everything that ends begins again Yeah, yeah, yeah 
nothing seems impossible if everything that ends begins again. I see the sunlight fade and the reflection on your face. Shadows like our memories start falling into place. And when the stars come out to play, they dance around us like our friends. If you can imagine it, then everything that ends begins again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can imagine it, then everything that ends begins again. It starts one step, one breath, one day at a time. And if I can't sleep, it's only in my mind. So I count the things I love till I drift away. Then I wake to a new day Love is everywhere if you just open up your heart And try to not forget the things you knew right from the start You know, like life is made of moments we hold on to while we can Time can fly so quickly by and everything that ends begins again Yeah, yeah, yeah Time can fly so quickly by And everything that ends begins again Yeah, yeah, yeah Time can fly so quickly by And everything that ends begins again Yes. All right. Beautiful. So all those years you were in Cowboy Mouth, did you have all these, this more sensitive side inside you yeah i mean i've released 12 cds and and uh i believe seven of them were, or eight of them were when i seven of them were when i was still with the band and i was thinking about it today what a luxury it afforded me to be in a working rock band that was on a major label and that for whatever reason wasn't interested in my songs so much <laughs> uh that i had the money and i had the accessibility to start my own label to reach fans and to make exactly the CDs I wanted. I didn't have to pursue any commercial end other than where the muse took me for the moment because it didn't matter how much they sold, I had an income and I had a, a record label supporting this other thing I was doing. It's kind of so, like having a day job. You know, it was, it was sweet in that I look back now and I sent musical postcards to myself throughout my life for the last 20 years and now I'm you know, 55 years old and they come back and you get to to feel those moments again yeah. in the very words and in the very notes you chose. And it's just lovely. And I don't, no record company owns it. No publishing company owns it. It didn't clutter up like it wasn't cluttered by what the mouth records were cluttered by. We got signed to MCA and Hootie and the Blowfish was big. So we made a record that sounded like Hootie. Then our next record was called Mercyland and Blues Traveler was big and they made us make a record that sounded like Blues Traveler and we got signed to Atlantic and Bare Naked Ladies was big and they made us make a record that sounded like Bare Naked Ladies right down to stealing one of their harmonies, you know, and they were friends and they didn't mind. How, but how, how blatant are these conversations? Did the record label actually tell you? I want you oh to yeah, they, you know, like it's... The first one we didn't know. We were sort of finessed into making a record that sounded, you know, like formula rock it was it was produced by john cougar's guitar player and i mean who was better at formula rock than john cougar and so we became this formula rock that was fitting into what hootie did but they did it with real heart and with real intention whereas we did it because somebody was saying do it and um so yeah and by the end it was blatant it was like yeah you know the bad naked ladies are big you need to make something that sounds like that so how do you do that do you go away and write 
10 songs that sounds like being ukuleles. It doesn't I mean, sound like you or Fred. That's not what I would do, but, um, <laughs> the, you know, he, the, 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 the drummer, lead singer, Fred, the LeBlanc, other, the other guy. Fred, yeah, yeah, we not, all know not, Fred, not, not, not PH Fred, Fred no, no, the other Fred. No, uh, he he, very very desperately wanted to be as famous a rock star as some of our friends, and he would do anything the labels would ask him to do. I mean, we we recorded a version of Cher's "I Believe in Life After Love" uh, on a record that didn't come out. It, we got dropped mercifully. Uh, <laughs> so you're saying you weren't singing songs like that behind six strippers and a blue man. We sang Jenny Says behind Six Strippers and a Blue Man, <laughs> and we were happy to do it because we were making really good money at the <laughs> right. time. So you did get paid Jenny. a lot of money to sell out. Um, well, <clears throat> very briefly, and it all disappears very quickly. Well, yeah, that's you know, true of anything, though. You know, we, we were, no, we weren't making a lot of money. We had a tour bus, and we had a nice lifestyle, and we had the illusion of making a lot of money. Uh, the people that were managing the band and making the records made the money. We made the music. So you didn't end up making a whole bunch of money. So oh, God, You no. end up living a rock star kind of lifestyle. Right. You know, it's like at the end of Spinal Tap when the guy, when the bass player is lying in the bathtub with his shower cap on right. and the director says, so you're going to miss the sex, drugs, and rock and roll? And he goes, yeah, not the rock and roll so much, but the sex and drugs. <laughs> right. I miss that, really. So do you miss it? The sex and drugs, really. <laughs> do you, though, really? Uh, not cowboy mouth at all. No, it would be like missing high school. You know, the songs right. are... Even Griff, when we were playing it, he used to call it Barney Rock. You know? <laughs> Small world, Barney. Kill, kill Barney, yeah. yep. And, uh, and so, you know, no, I don't miss it at all. I miss, I miss Griff. I miss them singing harmonies with him in the back of the bus and going to do right. acoustic shows together. But, and I miss the road. I'm probably going to go back to the road, but I don't are you? miss the music because right. we didn't really make music by the end. We made energy. The band is still... Yeah, well, that was the whole show, the whole Cowboy Mouth experience right. is right. part of... The there was a time when music was part of it, yeah, you know? right. and it became less and less a part of it, and less and less fun for me for that reason, you know. But so it wasn't a tough decision by the end that you just wanted to get out. The flood had happened. Right. My wife and I lost everything. We had two weeks worth of clothes, and we had to start over. And it just seemed like a cartoon. They hired a manager, who immediately cut the salaries in half of all the employees that had worked for us for seven years, and. They didn't make much because people in rock and roll just don't. And right. it just kind of broke my heart that this guy was going to be so hard on the people that loved us at this moment when New Orleans was on its knees. And I was, my heart was broken anyway. And I just thought this was a good time to move on. And I was in a club with the new manager and we were watching John Boutet sing. And the place was as hushed as a church. It was like such a reverent moment. It was just after the flood, maybe six months after the flood. And the club was full of people who needed some healing and John was giving it to him. You could hear a pin drop. And I turned to him and I whispered, this moment is what I aspire to. And he looked at me with the coldest eyes I saw and said, well, then you better get used to being poor. <laughs> wow. And I knew that I was in the wrong band and in the wrong place in my career and my life and my music. And I, I left him and uh, made new music, you know. Wow. Haley, who's calling? Uh, this is my brand new roommate. I just moved into a new house. You're supposed did. to pick it hey. up for the show. Yeah, you oh, could. You can answer if you want to. Uh, What's her name? Her name is Hillary. I don't know if it'd be too much of an interesting conversation. Did you just move into her house or is she moving into your house? We just moved into a new house together. The two of you? Yes. How do you know her? Uh, we met in a history class when I was a student. And the Not rest? Not that long ago. <laughs> and the rest is history. And the rest is history. And what's she like? Uh, I'm just, she's... Does she, have, cool. does she have good makeup? 
She doesn't wear much makeup. I, mm. I think I wear enough for both of us. You got good makeup. <laughs> I well, you know what? I think balance in a roommate is good. And you don't want somebody wearing a lot of makeup because it might seem like fun for y'all to get in the mirror together, but all it is is space. That's somebody true. Get in your space. That's true. Somebody not wearing makeup telling you you look good, that's a good roommate. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then I have more time in the bathroom. Where's your new house? Is there any one bathroom? There's only one bathroom. We live in a shotgun in Central City. Do you have to put makeup on in a bathroom? Um, this morning I put it on in my room, so right. it doesn't have to be. No. No, as long as you have a mirror, right? Yeah, do that's you have, all you need. Do you have lights around? You live around in a shotgun it? in Central City. Where in Central City? Uh, on Toledano. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, which side of St. Charles? Uh, north of St. Charles, so but you only live on the north. Central City side. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but only you. Co- <laughs> you're a wow. Brave, you're that means wow. I'm glad to see you now before you live well, there for too long. I used to go to a doctor in Central City, and I stopped going there because people got shot in the parking lot. So uh, that's why I stopped going there. Thanks, really appreciate it. At your doctors. At my doctors. At your doctors. It's a very much. A, it's very much a becoming neighborhood, much like Saint Claude was two years ago. Right. It's a neighborhood that's that's filled with young people like yourself right. and new restaurants and hip theaters, and it's going to be very cool. And it's just. Traditionally, that place, that area of town has been dangerous, as many neighborhoods in America have had drug problems and crime problems. And yeah, of course. And we understood that problems. we were, I mean, there's, you know, there's a few places in New Orleans where you can, you can stay. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I could stay in uh, near the university. I could stay in Audubon, but we didn't really want to do that. And everywhere else in New Orleans kind of has some of those problems. Right. So you well, kind of just accept it and... Neighborhood to neighborhood. That's yeah, New Orleans. Yeah, it always definitely. was and it always will be. Yeah. Don't go to P.H. Fred's doctor. You get shot and then you <laughs> also find out you have an inoperable but the, brain But the tumor. doctor was free. That was, well, that that was, was the that. mental health station. In, in was us. he that really was a doctor, though? He was really a <laughs> Or was he just a guy with a white coat who liked to feel your buttocks? <laughs> <laughs> he, he often told me to turn my head and cough. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Now, I wonder if that's what gave you the tumor. Fred, play, play just a couple of chords behind this while I read these yeah, sponsor sure. messages for me. Okay. I'd like to thank these following people who make the show possible. Our show today is brought to us by Petite Pet Care. If you're going out of town or you have a crazy schedule, the folks at Petite Pet Care will take care of your pet in his or her own home. For loving care when you're not there, give them a call. Check them out. You can find them at petitepetcare.com. Thanks also to Basics Swim and Gym, a full range of fashion swimsuits, workout and yoga clothes with style. The all-new basic swimming gym is on Magazine Street near Jefferson Avenue. Thank you, too, to Hangover Destroyer, the only all-natural product medically proven to prevent a hangover. Go to the Hangover Destroyer website. It's hdestroyer.com. All you have to do is write happy hour on the custom code, and you get 30% off of Hangover Destroyer. And you, too, can seize the dawn. Also, thank you to unlistednola.com, the revolutionary new way to buy a house in New Orleans. If you know what you're looking for, you can find your perfect match before it comes on the market. It's the match.com of real estate. It's unlisted knowledge. You can find them at unlistednola.com. Music provided by Paul Sanchez and PH Fred. Very nice. I like that. We might have to just keep that and drop that into every show. If it, you guys don't need royalties for that or anything, do you? Man, I'm sorry I didn't bring my guitar. I feel left Haley, out. Haley, do you have a? Do you, can you play? No, I don't play guitar at all. <laughs> <laughs> you just own one. I was going to make you borrow one. Maybe if I could just like hold one, one, I would feel more. Okay, we got a couple of things to talk about. We have to talk about. Uh, we have to talk about the Fun Seventeen. Don't put that down quite yet, Fred. Ah, okay. We're going to talk about Fun Seventeen. Fun Seventeen. And we're also going to talk about the Fridgecator. Oh, the fr- and the Both, documentary. And the documentary. Both. All these three things are fascinating. Wait till you hear about the Fridgecator, especially, and also Fun Seventeen, which is fascinating. Fred, first of all, though, play us a song. 
I would just play it for you. Oh, well, I have to play that wasn't really a song. Well, I yes, guess it was. It was, it was a song I, I wrote with Mike Watt from the Minutemen called Am I Man it? or Pelican? Am I Man or Pelican? So, but I'll find another So P.H. Fred's band is, is normally called the Round Pegs. Yes. Sometimes it's called Mr. Fred's... Round Pegs. Round and, Pegs and, and bass, bass Peeps. I can't We have 22 bass players in the band. 22? 22. Count them. Count, there are lots of them. Why do you have 22 bass players? That's well, I was doing a song with George Porter called Gone Fishing and I Caught a Bass. It started out with George Porter. We added Mike Watt from The Minutemen. Mike Watt called his ex-wife Kira from Black Flag. They called Tal Wickenfeld, who 16-year-old playing with Jeff Beck. Then one day I get an email from this guy named Mike Balzari who said, Watt told me to call you, signed Flea. At this point, my head exploded, and Mike Watt says, you need more bass peeps, right? At current count, we have 22 bass players from around the world. But these are all superstar well, musicians. There's some local bass players as well. Paul all these Clement pe- used to play with, with Cowboy, though. He's one of my bass peeps. From Woodenhead. Woodenhead as well. Yeah. So you have 22 bass players in one yes. band. yes. Not, not all, all at not the, the same, same time, but Sometimes you can call Sometimes we have two or three at the same. You do. You have two it's or three. It's kind of like it's like Spinal Tap. We big bottom. We have. Three Does bass any players. other band in the world have more than one bass player? Yes. I mean, I've seen bands with two yeah. drummers. Had, you, you know, bands with more than one bass player at the same time. At the same time, um, no, no. Walk right. the Wild Side, two bass players. You have an upright and a electric bass at the same time. Because you know, I had a band where Paul Clement played bass right. and Mary Lasang played bass. Right. And so Paul was playing lead. Right. And we gave him solos and stuff. And he said that, that he had enjoyed it, but after three gigs, he realized that no band should have, have two, two bass, bass players, players, let alone have a lead bass player. He right. said the very saying the th- words out loud had given him stomach problems, and he needed to quit. <laughs> the only band I know that regularly has two bass players is Dose, which is Kira and Mike Watt. It's only bass players. Hence the name Dose, Hence as the in name Dose. the Spanish word for two? No, I think they were doing drugs. Oh, that's <laughs> no. D-O-S-E. No, it was D-O-S. It was D-O-S. <laughs> Okay, so... You want a song? Well, no, we don't have to, but if you feel like playing something, could you, can you remember the lyrics to anything? I could, I, you're a bastard. Well, I... I and, could, and you know what the drummer I'm, told me the other day? I'm he goes, to keep I, your I'm spirits gonna, up I'm going to pick operation. on you more now, because when I... When, tomorrow you won't remember I picked on you. You don't even remember that you called me an hour ago. That's probably true. Well, I went on down to the petting zoo. Thank you. 
Chow Pang Ask him where he's from He just said, hey you He was down, he was under He was emo, emo He kept his CDs on a shelf He had really long bangs He cut himself Peter Tork, Mickey Dolenz And Davy Jones were flinging poo But he's not a monkey, no, no, no Beautiful. PH Fred with backing vocals by Paul Sanchez, the EMO Emu song. You had me. I was. I had go, you at Emo. I was, all the, I was with you all the way right up until the monkeys start throwing shit around. <laughs> what, what made you write that lyric? I don't know. At the well, end of that thing. Know, it was all so do. nice up to the. Well, oh, the, the monkeys. Really? The monkeys fling poo, don't they? Oh. The <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Did you figure that out? Paul? Yeah, the, the, mon the monkeys. You know, I hadn't thought of that. Haley, had you figured that out? I, I mean, I understood the pun when he sang it. You did. That's what you're I asking. went right over my head. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. If you that were lucky, so did the poo. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the way you said that, Foley. Great song, PH Fred. Very nice. On the, on the greatest hits record. And there's no, absolutely no chance that you have a brain tumor if you could remember all those lyrics. Right. Now, I wouldn't worry about a thing. Yeah, I was wondering yeah. if That's you nothing. were making that up as you yeah. went no, along. That, that, <laughs> that was actually written and recorded that way. There's nothing, wrong, there's nothing wrong with you at all. So let's talk about the Fredicator. Yes. Because this is a real deal. As you can probably tell if you've never met Fred before, he's a strange and guy. Not only is he sort of intellectual, but there's, he's off as well. Thank you. So the combination of these abilities have brought come together in an app called the Fredicator, which you can describe this better than I can, but if you do this, if you're sitting the ACT and you use this app, you're guaranteed to raise your score by up to 10 points. Up to 10 points. Most kids that use my app or my situation go up two points. Some kids have gone up 10 points, like from a 20 to a 29 or a 20 to a 30. Had a girl not too bright. Went from a 20 to a 25, and then from a 25 to a 29. I had one kid, only went from a 28 to a 30, but 28 was a scholarship, was admittance to Rhodes. A 30 was a scholarship to Rhodes. They only gave you a nine out last year, quarter of a million dollars. So I have a question. Yes. What's a guarantee up to 10 points? Well, doesn't that's, that guarantee that's, that's his, you? He said that. No, I, that's how you say that. He, he said that. Because I, <laughs> I can be guaranteeing nothing, right? Right. Is there a guarantee? I don't know. If you use the app, are you guaranteed to incre increase I, your I ACT score? I don't know. I have to talk to my business partner for that. Well, and, and it's microloan. <laughs> you've developed this. So this is yes. not some sort of a money-making no, scheme. It's, this it's, is it's for actually, real. It's, I've been using this method for 18 years. I was tutoring in a coffee shop. And this guy I used to work with when I was work doing educational software 20 years ago said, we need to make this into an app. 
And so it just finally got released after a year and a half of beta testing and all. It hit the stores last week. It's just come out right now. It just came out it's last called week. the Fredicator, but it's only on the iPhone. It's iPhone. But it's going to be on the Android within six months. Okay. And there's also going to be an SAT one, a PSAT, MCAT, LSAT. Okay, so this is blood test, urine test, drug <laughs> test. <laughs> the, I'm going to teach you how to take a urine test. Eh? This thing though, this is not just a study guide. This is not mm -mm. like Cliff Notes. This is a system. It's a system. Can you tell us a little bit about it? By the app. No. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I don't. I mean, I'm not going to sit no, the ACT no, probably. But no, just no, it's, what's it's, the it's, it's part of it's, it's technique. It's, it's four things. Three things. Fifty. <laughs> three things. Okay. Fifty percent of the program is building the kids' confidence. Because most kids have fears for tests because schools, parents, and whatever, this is the most important test you'll ever take. And the first thing I tell the kid is a piece of paper with ink. Are you afraid of paper? No, I'm not afraid of paper. You afraid of ink? And one kid goes, if it's coming out of an octopus. That kid very, sounds like he's going to get a scholarship. Get a scholarship. <laughs> and then 25% is material because what they teach you in school is crap you don't need to know. They teach you 257 punctuation rules. There's only 10 on the test. So we worry about the red zone. And so, then, so you pick some yeah, material. I, I, well, I know the material that's on the right. test. Oh, you it, know what's going to be in the test. I know what's on the test. Well, that's an I have dreams. I'm the, I'm the Nostradamus <laughs> of standardized tests. And then the other 25% is like techniques, like how to do process of elimination, how to plug in and stuff like that. That's the key. Yeah. That's the key. So half of it's confidence building. Yes. And then 25% is what material to study, what material to ignore. Right. And then 25% is technique. It's, it's finessing it. And the technique is the fredicated no, all of it together. Fred. All of it together. It's the package. No, but I mean the technique is what you've figured yes. out. You're, that's, just, yes. that's what you're paying for, really. Sure. Well, and the material, I suppose, yeah. as well, because it would be good to know what's in the test. Well, the that thing would is, if you buy a Princeton down. Review book, it's 600 pages long. Right. This is 75 flashcards that you can go over in 20 minutes. 75 flashcards. That's it. And I can raise my and ACT And you can raise your ACT score. score up to... <laughs> up to 10 points. Guaranteed up to 10 <laughs> points. Well, you've had kids raise their score up to Yeah, 10 I've points. had kids raise the score up to 10 points. And the average person who uses this app raises their score by two, two points. Two points, yes. And it only costs what? Four ninety nine. And my students, I give them a rebate. If my students buy it, I give them the $5 so they make a penny. How are you making money on that? You're so a genius. I'm a genius. Has, any, <laughs> has anybody bought one yet? I don't know. 50, 60 kids in the past okay. week. It's only been out for three days. Right. So, so, oh, really. So how do you get the word out? There's That's what a, we a, pay the marketing people for. I don't there's a billion. Shit. There's a billion apps out there. You see you had uh, the marketing person in Tanzania. You could ask that oh, yeah, question. Yeah, oh, right. That's what we, we need Sophie okay. to get in for. Uh, we'll get her back. I'm sure she's still up. Exactly. So, so Fred. She's yes. still on. <laughs> she's still on. We could ask <laughs> she's her. She's still on, yeah. <laughs> Fred, what's the deal then? So you get this thing out there. It's $4.99, yes. right. which is pretty expensive for an app, but pretty cheap if you're going to well, have a you, whole if, life change. Well, if, it, if indeed you buy an ACT book, it's 30 bucks. If you take an ACT course, it's $2,000. Wow. That's what people pay. Is that right? Tutors in San Francisco, which is the most expensive city in the country, it's 200 bucks an hour for an ACT tutor. So you're going to put all those people out of business for real? Yes. For you could. I could. You totally could. I would. This will work just as that's well. What, that's what we're going to do. You are the automatic teller demonstrator machine of your generation. Definitely. Closing down the banks. This is really going to, this, is, this works though, and well, it's yes, out it there. This we, is we exciting. Bullsh we bullshitted about it last time, but now right. it's real. But it really, and it's so, this is, could be, if this works and people buy this and their ACT scores go right. up and everybody loves it, you stand to make a huge amount of money. Well, let's put it this way. Supposing what, you live. The yeah, the, or my, my wife or my kids or whatever. So it's, the kid who went from a 20 to a 30 got the quarter million dollar scholarship said, you're going to be rich. And I said, why? And she goes, how many people take the ACT? And I go, huh. I don't know. She goes, everybody. That's a million students a year. Yeah. Well, she's right about that. Right. So. That's, you know, that the word is going to get out about that kid. It's like a... 
a baseball coach who starts out with you know 12 clients and maybe two of them are real prospects. And then Will Clark goes to the World Series. And then that baseball coach has a career. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, do you get testimonial from this person with a quarter million dollars? My my favorite question, she goes, Mr. Fred knows the ACT better than the ACT knows itself. At 17, she's writing copy better than people in (laughs) Manhattan. Well, she got herself, you get a quarter million dollars to go to school now? It's for five years Rhodes of college. Scholarship. That's what is that what it costs? A Rhodes University, yeah. Rhodes University. Yeah, it's it's fifty or sixty thousand a year. Yeah. yeah, the average college is that it's crazy. Average college is forty nine thousand a year. Well I'm not a math whiz, but that doesn't add up to two hundred and fifty either. All right, it? sixty that would be sixty five would be sixty five. All right, this Save four years, that's like uh four fives are twenty, that's like two hundred and twenty thousand. Is so that right? Housing, food, books, when all you're throwing that kind of stuff. Stuff. yeah, there's other stuff. So you're, that, just being, you're just being the so dick. Everybody, <laughs> so everybody who goes to college, Haley, you just graduated from college r- right much, now, like this year, right? Um, I'm sorry? You're in, you just graduated this year, I right did, now. I how did. How much was it a year? Um, Tulane, I think, is about 60000 a year. Holy so, shit. So, so that's $240,000. And you went four? Or did you, you know? I went for four years. Thank God I got out <laughs> in that time. Um, so you're $240,000 in the hall now? Um, Quarter of in theory. Well, Tulane, Tulane, uh, Tulane gives out fairly healthy scholarships. So, oh, you had a scholarship. So I every, did. Everybody. I, if I had Fredgicator, I might have gotten even more money, but I didn't. Does everyone get a scholarship? No, those are the people you don't you look at like oh you're not, you're here on yeah oh my god you must hey, be hey, so I, rich I oh my to, god I went to right? <laughs> you went to Tulane no, on scholarship no, you, my masters my masters no you look at the people that don't have oh, scholarships, don't have scholarships yeah. like holy shit you have to be so wealthy to be oh, here yeah, so <laughs> how many people are paying sixty five thousand I don't know those statistics I don't know those but um, oh, I thought you would no sorry <laughs> what, what I'm, what I'm dying I'm dying I'll deal with my debt in do six you know what months the, what the enrollment is though at the average for Tulane do you know how many students. Um, do you know how many people, how many yeah. people are at Tulane? This is my boyfriend back here who yeah, also graduated from Tulane. Yeah. <laughs> 6,500 people at $60,000. Wow. Do the math on that one. Yeah. PH. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> That's a well, master's degree biggest, at work they, there. <laughs> they are the biggest employer in New Orleans. Yeah. Tulane University. So yes, they I guess they, you know, they Oshner have. Oshner is another big employee. That's true. Because they own everything. I think Tulane owns more property in New Orleans right, than probably. anybody else. Mm-hmm. Something. And the good mm-hmm. thing is it's non-profit, so they don't pay property tax. So that's right. awesome. Right. That's a great thing. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so you graduated with a degree in what? Uh, history and international development. So nothing to do with microloans, which is now what you're doing. Uh, well, international development is where the microloans came out of, because what that uh, discipline looks at is basically how to solve problems that are occurring in the developing world, and that's where the micro lending idea came from. Um, so I was in, I knew I was interested in going into that kind of field before I went to college, and. Um, had kind of learned about micro lending then and then once I came to New Orleans started to actually dive into maybe having it happen here. So you've made the connection, the correlation between the third developing world oh and, yeah. and, and <laughs> New Orleans economy. Oh yeah, I mean that was uh, that was something I realized very quickly when I got here. I was like, wow, this is awesome. I'm an international development student and I'm in a developing city. Boy, no kidding. <laughs> There's so much work to do. Wow. Yeah. What's, the, what's the connection? I mean, on the ground. What do you mean by that? Well, well what is the well, what is the look? What is other, other than the streets with the? I mean, the that's holes a big thing. I mean, you, we have a corrupt government. We got poor infrastructure. We got poor education. You know, uh, public health problems. It, I mean, it, it's all. It's, it's what it's brought me home. <laughs> I'm not kidding, man. After the flood, 
you know, my wife and I lost everything, and we met these people that owned a resort in Belize on an island, uh, Ambergris Key, uh, San Pedro Town. So we went and we stayed with them. It was supposed to be two weeks, and the night before we left, I quit Cowboy Mouth, and we went and lived there for three months. And we had no intention of coming back. We thought, we'll just stay here. You know, we had lost everything. We have nothing. Let's just start over. You know, life was like a do-over. And we were there for like two months and relaxing one evening, just watching little kids walk by. And I turned to her. I said, man, I just love it here. I just want to stay. You know, it's, the pace is slow and people like to eat and drink and dance more than they like to work. And, you know, the, the, the place is a little corrupt. You can buy your way around. I just, oh, I miss New Orleans. <laughs> I gotta go home. There's definitely something uh, to be said for that, and that's uh, why I think I'm like pretty. Happier. I was in a third world country what? where they yeah. like to eat and drink and dance. I was. What? I knew I had to come home. Yeah. What What is there to be said for that? I think there's something to be. You know, there's not there really. Are, you know, well, there no. There's problem. You know, there's problems where you want. You know, you want people to be able to be educated and get a job and make a life for themselves, and you know that's something that the people that are solving the problems are trying to look at, um, but. Here in New Orleans, there there are those commonalities where if you go to what we consider the developing world, which is a pretty vague term, but if you go to those places, you do have this kind of similar pace of life in, in New Orleans. And I think it's kind of, you kind of just accept that uh, there's problems here and we're just going to kind of make well, can, life work. Could, couldn't we have that pace of life without the corruption and the defunct infrastructure and the shitty education? Yeah, and then we'd just be know. America, man. <laughs> then we'd I'll, just be America. But be we Canada. say that. We it would be Canada then, I mean. I think that's a it's a very you know it's a very of the moment topic here in New Orleans because we're seeing the city change so much as so many people like myself are coming into New Orleans and after the storm and wanting to solve these problems and people are saying wow all the grit is leaving our city and like all of these things are um, are changing and you know there's it's kind of like a cost benefit analysis like you know what are we well, losing that's been an ongoing debate for a couple of years yeah. now but I got to tell you something man as a guy who was born and raised here for me. The only people complaining about the young people changing the city since the flood are people who moved here from somewhere else. Right. Because if you're New Orleanians, you understand that for 200 years, America has been coming here to try and change us. And when they first came down the river, it was people from Kentucky, and the French called them cane talks. And they didn't like these American cane talks. They were loud and crude, and they were Protestant, and they didn't know how to party. And the Americans came down, and they said, well, we don't like these French. They're Catholic, and they're decadent, and they're lazy. And you know what? We're not even going to live on the same side of town. So... Canal Street, we don't call it medians in New Orleans. Or it's ground. called call the it neutral, neutral ground, ground because it's the widest neutral ground in America, the widest median in America because it's the only place where Americans and the New Orleanians, the French, would shop and eat and hang out together. Other than that, you stay on your side of town and, and we'll stay on ours. So for 200 years, they arrive, they hit the swamp, they sink to their knees, the humidity wipes them out, we give them a big meal, we give them way too much to drink, we, they wake up in the morning and we say, we'll take your kale. We'll take your business enterprise. Listen, you want to get drunk again today. If you want to sober up, go back to America. And, the thing, Hi, and nice. the thing is, the neutral ground wasn't just that. It was like my par- my father was German. My mom was Italian. Yeah. And the place you did business was on the neutral, the neutral ground. ground. Yeah. The Irish channel. Every, you had German town and all that. So that concept, and, and I disagree with you where you said people here are trying to change it for the... People, have, like you said, have always been trying to change it. Always. Yeah. And, 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 and it's not just post-Katrina. There was that group in the 70s. There was that group in the 60s. There was that group in the... 
and it goes back to the anybody can yeah, come I mean, down people, and be industrious for a year. <laughs> people are always that coming and trying three years to affect their affect where they're living. I'm not saying that it's yeah, like yeah. a new thing that people right. are coming and trying to it's solve a, problems, but it's definitely there's a there's a new wave of like concentration because of this storm. Well, there's a new there's a new, a new wave of, of people your age all around the world yeah. who aren't going to buy the old game. Mm. Right. Because it's been a politics, not just in America, but around the world. It's been a politics of corporations controlling what the mouthpieces say. And the people your age, they don't believe in the old dreams. You know, you, the, the Catholic Church is having to adapt what their guy says mm. because the young people just aren't buying how harsh things are supposed to be. The young people have access to information. Mm. And they're going to ferret it out for themselves and decide whether or not this politician is full of stuff or the other guy is full of stuff. Mm. And I think my hope for the future is that the people your age who do have access to information and do have start out with empathetic hearts don't have to sell out their empathetic hearts to the corporations that yeah. control their dreams like we had to in our youth, whoever you are, doctor, lawyer, Indian chief right. musician, and that you guys change the world just by doing the right thing, just by going about your business of work and not through any grand revolution, but just by thinking this mm -hmm. is the way things should be. Yeah, that's also, that's also my hope. And I think it is important to view these changes um, within the context of things. And that's a conversation that I've started to kind of hash out in my own brain as we look at, you know, gentrification is this big issue. And, you know, and it, it is something like how you guys are saying, it's not really something brand new. Cities have always gone through different identities and characters. And so it is important to kind of view that in context. But I also do have to understand what my place is and all of that as I'm coming into this city and, you know, starting my own organization our, the heart of our mission is trying to give a voice to the people that have had heritage in the city and are trying to, right. you know, that are trying to, we're trying to give a voice to those that their livelihoods are the, what makes New Orleans, New Orleans. And once again, go back to what you said, the people who complain about the quote, gentrification aren't New Orleanians. The people who complain about LA not being LA aren't from LA. Yeah. People who complain about New York not being, usually the people who there we're just there. And, and you yeah. know, traditionally, and it's a cliche, but it's a true one, you know, it's, we're a melting pot. Right. And people like yourself that come here with industrious ideas and inevitably fa fall in love with the culture. Right. And instead of changing the culture, they bend their dreams to the culture. Right. So that they can blend in and be a part of it. Right. And make New Orleans their life. And I think that those are the people who stay. And that's, that's the future to me. It's this, the face of the city changes and it has changed and it always will change mm. because that's just the way life goes we don't change we die my hope is that people that come here like yourself the young people come whatever their business is doctor loan officer mm. come with that romance in their heart that poetry in their heart because that's how it remains mm. it remains because it's in the heart it's not on the streets it's not in the grid those people are poor by, not by choice you yeah. know, the people, the cultures that we speak about with such reverence, they're not poor by choice. They're poor because that's where they were born into, and that's what the America, not New Orleans, has cast them to live. And unlike the rest of America, instead of turning it into violence and anger, they turn it into a joyous celebration mm -hmm. of second-line parades or social aid and pleasure clubs or Mardi Gras Indians or whatever it is that you need to do to remember that, yes, we are all sad, but let's all be sad together mm -hmm. and dance and sing and but celebrate. But I think that's what people are scared that this this kind of, new wave of people coming to New Orleans are going to change. That's well, what that's what's had been voiced to me, well, that this grit's leaving and that there isn't going to be this uh, uniting force to, to create all of these beautiful things that New Orleans has created a, in the past. As, as a fellow historian, my background's classics, like Latin, Greek, and Sanskrit and all that mm -hmm. ancient stuff. And I recognized a pattern studying history from the ancients up to the modern times. You adopt and you adapt. Right. Whether you're a conquering people or someone who's coming to meet the people, you adopt what you like, you adapt it to your needs. 
we, we go to a country, there's iron. Well, we're going to use it to make the tools we need. Gunpowder, we used it to whatever. Whether it's the culture or the tools or whatever, you adopt it and adapt it. It can't stay stagnant. Mm. So you're fresh blood. You take that culture that's here and pass it forward. You don't kill it. You pass it forward. The mistake that Americans made is we killed the Native Americans. We, right. we tried to hold the blacks down. We tried to do different things. New Orleans and every fucking port city there is is a melting pot. San Francisco, New right. Orleans, Toronto, New York, right. London, all those places where you have ports, that's mm-hmm. where the culture prospers because there's, it's understood that you need to trade. The journey across the ocean is the best part of the trip. Right. right. I would say to your friends and colleagues that worry about the city changing is to go out and experience those very things that you worry about it losing. Because I was at Trumpet Black's second line, and it was a phenomenally glorious celebration of life, mm-hmm. of his life. Mm-hmm. I've never seen more young brass band players out playing. He did not die by an act of violence. This was not a young man who went by right. an act of violence. This was a young man in his prime who went by an act of fate after overcoming incomparable odds to be vibrant and powerful and beautiful. And this second line was a celebration of that. It was a celebration these kids were playing because they knew it could have been them. And maybe from violence, but just because of life. And they know in that moment it doesn't last long. And to watch them play to his family as they went past his house and to watch his family accept that honor with dignity and beauty and joy in their Mm -hmm. hearts Mm -hmm. and to watch that parade disappear into the neighborhood with his friends, with his loved ones. And I don't know, that's a part of the culture, knowing that somebody that loved him was going to dance on his casket to make sure that he felt it on the other side. They can't take that away. Yeah. It exists in corners where the people that are worried about it disappearing from, they don't even know those corners exist. And it's going to be there. And it's going to be there because Trumpet was only 28 years old, Black was. Mm-hmm. And his, his friends aren't going to forget that moment. They're going to aspire to that moment. People live to be sent off that way. You know, you mm-hmm. can live your whole life on nothing, on eating red beans and rice for $5 a plate and playing your music for whoever shows up. And you get that send off you know, that you lived right. Mm -hmm. And those guys believe that in their heart, and you can't change that. You Mm -hmm. just can't. It's here for over 100 years. It's going to be here 100 years from now, long after the people worrying about it have moved away because the water got too high. Well, I, I, it's very hopeful to hear those kinds of things. Go to a real second line. (laughs) Go to a funeral, you know. Go to where people are. The day I was moving in, the day I was moving in, like I said, I just moved to Central City, and I was, had the U-Haul in front of my house, and there was, a huge second line. Was it a party though? Because there's a difference. Now the party second lines are great and they're beautiful. Yeah. But a funeral, it's a. It's no, it wasn't on a funeral. It wasn't on a funeral. I think it was. Uh, it had rained a lot that day, and everyone like the traffic was bad, and everyone just started setting up a grill on the corner of the mm-hmm. street and started a party. Because what else was there to do? Also a joyous <laughs> moment. Yeah, Indeed. that was that was a pretty cool thing to see. Because <laughs> that's New Orleans and kids. That's happy hours all over. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Paul Sanchez. I couldn't have had a better time than having that with I'm you. Thank so, you very much. You know, I was a last-minute addition because uh, somebody wrote me from Hawaii to say, can you Christian, do this? Christian, our music and director. And I'm listening to the grilling that P.H. Uh, <laughs> Fred got today. I was so glad you didn't know more about me because <laughs> I've never seen a DJ more experienced at being outrageous and charming at the same moment. Wow, thank you very much. That's a very kind thing to say. Haley Burns, thanks so much for joining us, thank too. Thank you for you having me. You can find out more about you at fund17.org. Yes. Or just Google Haley Burns, fund17. Yes. 
2017 yes. or bronze eyeliner. <laughs> I have to work my way up to Google knowing okay. that that's anonymous. Okay, and phred, thank you so much for coming here on possibly the last day of your life. phred.com. <laughs> phred.com to find out more about phred or to put something in his obituary to remember what and buy. What an asshole. And <laughs> special thanks. I'm sure you're fine. I don't think there's a thing wrong with you. I'm sure that's a bullshit sort of yeah, MRI. Me, it was for me to get on the show. It is a great story, though, to have the doctor call you, know, you five minutes after your MRI tell you, you need know, to get last in. Last year, I, I was having a heart attack when I was on your show. That's right. You were booked to come on the show, and you had a heart attack and couldn't make it. Right. This time, you've got a, an operable brain tumor. You so. may want to just do another show. Third <laughs> 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 time. Right. I'm going to call up Aren't Scoot. there other shows? I'm going to call up Scoot. <laughs> Good morning Scoot. and see if I can do that. Scoot doesn't have any sort of bad stuff on his show. Sophie Lafayette from Dar es Salaam in Tanzania who joined us also as well today. She is very exciting. She is great. She is the uh, official New Orleans ambassador. Wow, what's that noise? Ambassador to East Africa. Thank you so much, everybody. That's Happy Hour for another week. Our producer is Graham DuPonte, our technical producer and associate producer is Chris Kehoe. Christian Unruh, as we were just talking about as our music director, our theme music was written by and is currently being played by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on the show, drop us a line. Our address is on our website. It's neworleans.com. We can also check out plenty of other happy hours to listen to and some other shows we make here at itsneworleans.com. Out to lunch with Peter Raschuti, live from Commander's Palace. Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Pajic. True to the game with the fabulous Chris True. Midnight Menu Plus One with Margot Moss and the man who ate New Orleans. Ray Canada, Louisiana Eats with Poppy Tooker. Milo's Music Parlor with Kim Vu. And the revolutionary new way to buy a house in New Orleans. Unlisted Noel, you can find that on itsneworleans.com as well. Keep up with us on Facebook, on Twitter, and a bunch of other time-sucking social media as well. And all of it, we're called It's New Orleans. Uh, you can find photos from this show, see what we all look like. That's on itsneworleans.com, our website. And on our Facebook and Google Plus pages, those photos are taken today by Dion Grayson. Thank you very much for joining us. Dion, if you listen to this show on iTunes or Stitcher or some other podcast app that you prefer, take a moment to stop and rate and review us. That helps other people find us. And thank you for subscribing to us. Our show is recorded live today at Wayfair on Ferret Street, where they put fine dining into a sandwich and fine booze into a glass. Paul Sanchez had his first drink in, uh, in, in an hour. In, in, in seven hours. In seven hours. <laughs> Please, are you going to start tomorrow again? I'm going to start tomorrow. Start tomorrow with a month off. With a month off. And you're trying to lose how many pounds? 15 pounds. 15 pounds. You'd have to drink a whole lot of booze to lose 15 pounds. I asked him, and it wasn't any more than I drank. Really? How much do you drink? And he didn't drink beer. What do you drink? amazing part. I drink beer, but I also like to drink whiskey and wine. So how much do you you drink a day? (coughs) Well, my doctor asked me that question, and I said to him, you know, because I was worried, am I drinking too much? And I I said, you know, I might have like three or four drinks uh, in the evening. And he said, well, that's fine. You're from New Orleans. Yeah. That's my doctor. So if you (laughs) stop drinking three or four drinks a day, you can lose 15 pounds in a month. Supposedly. We're going to come back in a month and see if that's That's true. Let's do it. Happy Hours of Production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For Andrew Duhon, who will be back next week, I believe he's on the road somewhere. If you want to find him, go to andrewduhon.com. Thank you very much to everyone sitting around the table here at Wayfair, everyone back at our office at INO Broadcasting. I'm Grant Morris. I'll see you back here next week on Happy Hours.